Welcome to Flipping the Script, a podcast for women of color by women of color, helping you to not just navigate your way through change, but to embrace it. I am your host, Michelle Words. Nadia Gilks wears many hats. She's an attorney, realtor, tax consultant, and author. Nadia has had to pivot many times in her life, which she admittedly has found difficult. However, her inner drive forces her to persevere. Nadia gives us some good advice on how we can do the same. Let's get to it. I am not where you want to be Trying to navigate life but it's hard to see yeah. I am struggling to make a change But coming to me now is the perfect chance With flipping the script so you'll find your way To help you embrace any trials you face With flipping the script conquer every Nadia Gilks wears many hats, including attorney, realtor, tax consultant, and author. Nadia is licensed to practice law in the great state of Texas, where she focuses primarily on family law, estate planning, and probate matters. In Nevada, she helps families find their dream home and build generational wealth as an agent with Keller Williams Southern Nevada. She also serves as a consultant for a Fortune 500 company during the tax season. Nadia recently self-published her first novel, Woke Up Dead, which became an Amazon bestseller. This story is a funny, quirky tale of a woman who wakes up at her own funeral. Her next work will be an accountability journal to help readers stay on track with their vision board goals. In addition to writing, Nadia loves to create music and crafts. She recently took up flute lessons after a long hiatus and performed her first recital in October 2020. She also designs and sews memory quilts as heirloom keepsakes, as well as makes a line of relaxation products. Nadia Gilks uses her gifts and passion to fulfill her life mission. She aims to help individuals and families preserve their legacy. Born and raised in Rochester, New York, Nadia currently splits her time between Texas and Nevada. She's a proud graduate of Texas Wesleyan University School of Law, and in her spare time, she enjoys concerts and Buffalo Bills football games. Nadia, welcome to Flipping the Script. Thank you, Michelle. How are you? I am great. How are you? I am wonderful. I understand that there's some congratulations actually in order for you today. What did I do? You forgot already? (laughs) (laughs) See, I'm stalking you on Facebook. You won a a competition. Was it a Toastmasters competition? I came in second. Yes, this was my first year competing, and I did their evaluation contest, and I made it up to the division rounds. So I came in second at division, and if something should happen to the winner and he can't make it to the district contest, then I will be able to perform in the district contest. 
So I called Tanya I Harding and we're working out something. No, I'm right. kidding. <laughs> Clip them at the knees. <laughs> so thank right. you. Right. Go blow. Oh, this is not good. I was going to say, go blow some COVID in his direction. Oh, Lord. No, we're not doing that. <laughs> I know, right? I know, that's not. <laughs> bad joke, bad joke. Well, welcome and congratulations anyway. Thank Second you. Second place, your first time. That's great. So, Nadia, I like to start by telling my audience how I know you or how I know my guest. So, you and I, do you remember how we met? I know it was in Texas. You left many, many moons ago. I'm jealous, but I know it was in Texas. And I want to say we met through social media and ended up going to like a concert or something together. I don't know if I had put out a a memo that said, hey, does anybody want to go to this concert with me? Because I'm always solo dolo. And you were like, yeah, I do. And I was like, yeah, I got a buddy. (laughs) So now, okay, this is what I remember because I don't remember the concert. Me neither. I remember happy hour. I remember us going out for drinks. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember that there was a concert, but maybe there could have been some sort of event. But we actually, not just through social media, we actually met through a mutual friend. That's true. Did we meet through yeah. the page? Yes. Okay. Exactly. All right. Yeah. And so, yeah, our friend could. It was because, I guess, you know, we probably were making similar type of comments on I something. I had to say, it was probably a political post. Exactly. <laughs> and we both, <laughs> we both had a similar rant. <laughs> right. And so I'm like, okay, we have to meet each other at some point. It's been at least 10 years. Yeah, because right? you've been gone for, what, six or seven at this point? I've been gone for seven yeah, so yes. yeah, it's been nine or 10 years yeah. and you have taken yes. me all over the world. Thank you. And you know what? You and I, we are a, similar in a lot of ways because in that 10 years that I've known you, I know that I've done a lot of different things <laughs> and so have you. <laughs> Both of us, we, we are constantly flipping And the you script. know, the thing about it is <laughs> that is not even my personality. Quite honestly, at my core, I am a tried and true Capricorn, and we do not like change. We do not like to have to budge. We like to set out our life plan. You know, the next 20 years, this is what I'm going to do. And we don't really stray from it that easy. So it's just been life happening and forcing me to move and change because, you know, certain things happen and you just can't stay stagnant or your plan gets shifted and you have to make an adjustment. But yeah, we like to be on a schedule. We like to plan it out. And then stuff is just supposed to go according to plan. And there were some times where Jesus didn't listen to me. (laughs) (laughs) See, now I did not know that about you because I thought as many changes as you've made, that that is just something that you kind of chase after almost like I do I mean I'm learning to go with the flow now but yeah no I just thought I was going to be in Texas forever running my law practice and just did not see where life would take me but I'm happy I actually love Las Vegas I'm so happy that I'm here and so much has happened for the positive since I've been here but if you would have asked me you know five six years ago I would have been like oh no none of that's in my vision (laughs) right well, you know what? I would have told you that Saudi wasn't in my vision. I loved living in uh, mm-hmm. Qatar, loved living in the Middle East, but Saudi wasn't okay, really Saudi on my radar. <laughs> Saudi is not on a lot of people's radar most of the time. So. <laughs> Very true. But, you know, 
it has been a pleasant surprise. You know, of course, COVID has killed a lot of things as far as activities, and but that would have been true no matter yeah. where I would have been. But yes, actually, there were there's plenty of things to do in in normal times here. And so, yeah, it really was a surprise. Matter of fact, I had more things to do than I could, oh, I had wow. time for. Well, I would so, love to visit yeah, if they let Americans in. Coming. That'd be another place. Like, yay, I got to see Michelle in Saudi. But I'm not sure if that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, they actually just released a new, well, official notice that they're not opening to the U.S. anytime soon. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of countries are going to be releasing that notice over time. And I can't blame them. I really can't. So, you know, it kind of is. What well, it not is. just the U.S. There's 20 states or 20 countries that are on their list right now mm. that you cannot fly directly from into Saudi. So if I leave, if I leave Saudi and I go home, which I am planning to do this summer, then when I leave the United States, I have to go to one of the non-banned countries for 14 days before I can enter into Saudi. Oh, okay. Well, at least you can get back. I can, but I have to detour yeah. more than likely, unless they change the rules by the time I'm ready to return back to Saudi, because I'm thinking possibly they'll allow people that have been fully vaccinated to come on in. But I do have a plan B anyway. So of course. I'm ready. Either way, <laughs> I'm all good. <laughs> so Nadia, mm -hmm. back to you. One of the things that is not on your bio that I know about you that I think is, is very fascinating and is relevant is you were a flight attendant for several years. Um, yes, I don't like to linger on those days, but that's okay. <laughs> I, I technically still am a flight attendant. I have not stepped on a plane in over a year at this point. And, you know, that's been interesting because for the past 20 years, my, you know, my whole life has been traveling four to five days a week. So that was something different, but I really have enjoyed being home and being in my own bed. And I probably will go back to work um, next month just for a little bit. Yeah, for a little okay. bit just to, um, <laughs> you know, I still have my benefits. I still have my health insurance and yeah. things like that. But you have, you know, you have to work yeah. a certain amount to cover that. Otherwise, you're sure. paying out of pocket. So I was like, I'll go back for a little bit and we'll see how the skies are. Sometimes they're friendly, sometimes they're not, but it has been an interesting journey. I never really expected to be a flight attendant. And then once I became one, I never planned to leave. And that's, I guess, why I'm still there. <laughs> it's been quite a security blanket over the years. So how did you, and, and actually that was my question is, is it because it gives you a sense of security? But before you answer that question, then how did you end up becoming a flight attendant then if that wasn't part of your plan? You know, it's so funny. <laughs> I went to USF in Tampa. That's where I got my undergrad from in criminology. And I was recruited heavily by many police departments. And I, I feel like when you're a police officer, that needs to be something that you want to do for life. It should be a career move. And I just knew that wasn't me. Like that wasn't my personality. So I moved out of Florida and I went to Atlanta, which at the time was the land of opportunity for Black people. This was in 2000. And I just knew that I would become a probation officer, a parole officer, something of that nature. 
So I spent about five or six months looking for a job. And the few jobs that I saw, like prison guard or something like that, they only paid like $20,000 a year. And I was like, I'm not going to be stuck in prison for $20,000 a year. Like, I love helping people, but that's just asking a bit much. So, so I was just reading the paper one night, and I saw that there was an open house for flight attendant. And I had no interest whatsoever in being a flight attendant. Didn't wear heels, still really don't. Didn't wear makeup, still really don't. <laughs> so I was like, oh, they're not going to hire me, but they're probably going to have snacks because it's a big airline. So I'm like, I'm going to go for the snack. <laughs> Seriously, like I went, I'm like, this is a, a you know international airline. So I'm going to go grab me some food, be courteous, stay and listen to what they have to say. And then I'm just good at a home. And in sitting there during the open house, you know, the woman gets up there. She's talking about this new adventure that you can have and meeting friends all around the world. And she made it sound so am- amazing. And then they had like a a math and a writing test or, you know, something. And I was like, this is so simple. It's ridiculous. But like, oh, can you do basic math? Can you, you know, put some sentences together? I took the little test and then they hired me. And I was like, well, I'm not working anywhere else right now. Let me try it. (laughs) And here we are 20 years later. (laughs) 20 years later. And it's always been crazy. Like I started right before 9-11. So, you know, I just, I walked in, I had a few months where things were good. And then, you know, we had that crazy shift. And then it was like, well, if you quit, because I, you know, was fortunate enough to not get laid off. So it's like, well, if you quit, where are you going to work? Because everybody started laying off at that point. So, you know, that kind of kept me there. And then through the years, it was like, okay, I can still do other things on the side. But it was definitely a security blanket of, you know, you got health insurance, you got benefits, free flight. You know, so I kind of stayed. <laughs> and actually, it makes sense, especially like now, like you said, you haven't flown in what over a year mm-hmm. and you still with minimal hours and effort, you can still continue to have the benefits. So why not? Yeah, absolutely. And it's been great when you have your own business to have that that security, because I saw so many of my friends who either couldn't afford health insurance or they stayed in their marriages because they needed their husband's health insurance or just different situations. Mm-hmm. They got themselves into odd situations because they felt like they needed to take every client that walked through the door. And I, I've always been blessed enough that I could be selective. You know, I didn't have to put myself in any crazy legal jams or anything because I knew worse comes to worse. I just hop on a plane and pick up another flight. So it, it really has right. served a great purpose. How did you manage to juggle though? that job with law school and then launching your own private practice after law school? It's been crazy. I don't even know how I did it. People look at me like I'm a unicorn or something because they're like, how in the world? Um, I, I literally went to school Monday through Thursday and I would fly Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I did that for three and a half years because I did a part-time year-round program for law school at Texas Wesley and they really catered to the working adult. So they really worked with me to make sure that all my classes were Monday through Thursday um, so that I could still work. And then once I had my own law practice, because I basically graduated (laughs) and hung my own shingle and I just kind of kept up that routine. Monday through Thursday, I would work in my law practice and Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I would fly. And, you know, between law school and my practice, that was probably about 11 or 12 years of my life. 
And you know what? You are a unicorn. (laughs) You are a unicorn, Nadia. (laughs) I mean, that's the story right there. That's your title. You know, the flying attorney or something like that. (laughs) So now what made you then decide to write a book, become an author? That I kind of feel like it was kind of an omen, an accident. Because I never really considered myself being an author. That was never a lifelong dream of mine. And uh, it was just kind of crazy that one day I was flying to see my mom. I was actually going to take her to a doctor's appointment. And I fell asleep on my flight that I was just a passenger. I wasn't working it. (laughs) So I fell asleep. And then I had this crazy dream that I woke up at my funeral. And it was horrible. They didn't have the colors that I like. They didn't have a casket that I like. I cussed everybody out. And I just woke up from that dream, like in a fit of laughter, like this is hilarious. So I cut and I never remember my dreams. So I took my notes app and my iPhone and kind of wrote that down. And then um, once I got to Florida, that was kind of a turning point for me. My mom was actually not doing so well. So we didn't expect her to kind of go downhill after having a surgery, but she wasn't doing well after that. So I kind of put that kind of on the back burner, didn't really think about that Mm -hmm. dream again. And then about a year later, after we lost her, it kind of resurfaced again. Like I kept thinking about this crazy story and I was just like, okay, yeah, it's a, you know, it was a funny dream, but eh, I don't know what to do with it. And then I met like three people back to back who were doing National Novel Writing Month, which is the month of November. And they're like, oh, yeah, you take this challenge and you write a book in a month and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, "Okay, yeah, that's cute. And then it kind of (laughs) became, well, if they could do it, I could do it. (laughs) And so I'm like, I'm jumping into the challenge and I'll never forget. It was like October 27th and um the whole challenge started like November 1st. And there are people that spend weeks, if not months, like interviewing and outlining and getting their stories ready. And here I am three days, three days before, like, I'm gonna jump in. And you know, I did, I jumped in and I said, I want a short story. I want it to be at least 30,000 words. And that was my challenge. And most people write about 50,000. I was like, I just want a hundred page novel. And I crafted it. I got my first draft done. And kind of went from there found somebody who edited it for me and found somebody to do the book cover and you know it was off and running from there and became an Amazon bestseller yes people have really liked this story a lot I've been surprised at the feedback so why is it that your next book is not like a you could do like a sequel that's what everybody keeps asking for (laughs) That's why I said I was surprised at the feedback. I didn't I didn't really look at this as one that needed to be a sequel, but people are really invested in Hope, the main character. They're really invested in her story and they want to know kind of what, you know, what she does now after the fallout and the picking the pieces back up. And some people have had an interest in the court case. So I said, well, if I do a screenplay or if this gets turned into a movie, then we can answer some of those burning questions that people have, but I, you know, I just kind of write what comes to me. So the sequel hasn't come to me yet. I won't say no completely, okay. but it hasn't come <laughs> to me yet. And what did come to me um, this year on the night of inauguration actually was a journal. 
And I had been kind of taking notes and I did my vision board for the first time ever this year. I'm like, everything has to change. Like after making it through 2020, I was like, everything Mm -hmm. has to change. So I did my vision board and I was like, it's not enough for me to just look at it every day. I want to write something down every day. What action did you take that feeds into the vision you said you set for yourself? And after Mm -hmm. doing that for a while, I'm like, this is really helpful maybe other people would like this. <laughs> so I just started crafting a journal. So that's, that's my next project. Wow. Okay. That'll be really interesting. Yeah. It's really I could probably I like use that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> if you don't so when have will a that vision board, it kind of makes you think about some things because everybody kind of talks about those same things, right? Like spirituality, working out, you know, what do you want to achieve your big goal, your work? Yes. It's, kind of just makes you focus on those things every day okay so now when is that book coming out I am hoping by the end of summer I have someone right now that I've commissioned to do the book cover and I decided I wanted to do two book covers so one is going to be pretty girly and then one is going to be more gender neutral so I'm waiting on the book covers and then she's also going to lay out the inside for me so I'm having like a one-stop shop this time so the process should be easier And I'm thinking she probably has about a five to six week turnaround. Oh, okay. All right. So we'll be looking forward to that for sure. Mm -hmm. With all of the transitions that you have made in your life, what is it that you think encourages you or inspires you to adapt to those changes? That's a tough one. Because like I said, I really don't like to have to change. <laughs> I mean, I, I which actually always, makes it more valuable because there's a lot of people that don't, but you manage to do it. So how? Well, I, I've always just been the person that if I put my mind to something, I find a way to make it happen and just kind of, I have a plan A, B, C, D, E, and I'm going to see this successful moment. I'm going to see whatever this is come to fruition. And I just think, you know, and, and I'm all, I'm always kind of a party of one. So I don't put myself in a situation where I have to depend on too many people. So I depend on me and bet on me. And I just kind of make whatever that dream or that goal is happen. And I don't know, it's just always been something in me that's just been driven to achieve. I, I think many people would say I'm just a perfectionist and overly ambitious, but I can't tell you where I draw from for that. I just, I just kind of do it just like Nike, like more and more I'm getting the Nike logo. Like, Oh yeah, just do it. (laughs) You know, why not? So that's interesting though, because with that, you mentioned being a perfectionist. So that though, for me is paralyzing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how do you move through that? It's very hard because perfectionists oftentimes are concerned with how something looks to others and you want to present in a certain way. And it really has been, especially when it came to self-publishing my book, having to get over being a perfectionist because you can sit here and I listen to Stephen King a lot. I'm a huge Stephen King fan. I love his book on writing and I love his Twitter feed and he's always giving little nuggets. And he says, and many other people have said, you know, 
done is better than perfect. People are waiting for your message and it doesn't have to be perfect. They're not looking for perfect. They're looking to be inspired. And when you're doing something with your heart and you really have a heart for service, and I do, and I know you do, you know, you're just there to inspire. And so you're doing a disservice to the world when you're holding yourself back, trying to make it look too perfect. Like you and I were talking about before you started recording, like, oh, Facebook lives. Like sometimes I jump on and my hair's not done and I don't have makeup on, but there's somebody who's getting some kind of growth or, or something from my words and my message. So that's more important than, oh, let me wait till I have the perfect hairdo or let me wait till, you know, my face is beat, you know, or whatever, you know, whatever that is that's stopping you. That's not even what's important to the people who are learning and growing from you. Yes. And we're our worst, our own worst critics anyway. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely true. So now is there a piece of advice that you could give someone then that um, might have difficulty in embracing change? Well, what I say, because like you said, perfectionism can make you paralyzed. And sometimes we look at other people and, and see things that they're doing and like to compare and, and all those things that get in our own mind. And I would say, you know, get out of your own mind and just do those things that you're dreaming about. Look to the people who have already gone down that path, get a mentor, whatever it takes, but don't be stuck because, you know, there's opportunities all around us. I always say, I think Oprah said this probably 15, 20 years ago, there's no such thing as a missed opportunity. It just goes to somebody else. So (laughs) you have to get out of your own way and grab those opportunities because they are there. And I think what holds a lot of people back sometimes is comparing, you, you know, you're seeing something on Instagram, you're seeing somebody on Facebook. Those people took that picture 30 times before they looked that perfect. Or they put on a filter or, you know, they're in somebody else's private jet or whatever. You don't know the backgrounds of the story. So just be in your own lane, be content in your own lane. And my goal is just to try to be better today than I was yesterday. If I'm on a health and fitness goal, if I did 10,000 steps today, I want to do at least 10,001 tomorrow. You are your competition. Nobody else is your competition because there's only one you. You know, yes, people may know more than you or look better than you or, or whatever, but it could be your personality that is your selling point or your special skill set or your way with people or your heart or what have you. So don't sell yourself short by comparing. Just be in your lane and go for your dream. That is some great advice. And not only that, you know, perseverance, because really it's the person that just pushes through and continues on that at least will be the one that is most likely to succeed because people give up. And that's one thing that, you know, will stop us or ourselves. <laughs> we will true. stop pursuing our dreams and our goals. And someone who may not be as qualified as you will push past you just because they are uh, motivated, you that's know, have true. the ambition. That's so what they say. What is that really saying? Hustle beats talent when talent won't hustle or something along those lines. That absolutely makes sense. Yes. Great, great advice, Nadia. So now um, if someone is interested in your book, how can they find Woke Up Dead and your next book as well? 
Woke Up Dead is on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles. Amazon, you could get it in pretty much any country. So you could just type in Woke Up Dead by Nadia Gilks. It should come up. It's a yellow cover with a funeral funeral wreath on the cover. And for the next book, it probably will be exclusively Amazon because that is just, I would say, nine to ten, nine out of ten people do Amazon. So there were a few people that are like, I'm boycotting Amazon. Can you put it somewhere else? Well, yeah, that was like mm. a few. <laughs> so I'm so sorry if you're boycotting Amazon, but I think the journal is going to be exclusively there. And then I always have copies on hand too. So people could always buy directly from me, but I just find Amazon really, really convenient. What's a way for people to contact you if anybody wanted to reach out to you directly? I am on Facebook and Instagram. You can find me at NG Moved Me, Nadia Gilks, NG Moved Me. So you could find me there. Always send me a message. You can reach me on my phone. I'm very accessible, 702-879-8165. Or shoot me an email, NadiaGilks at kw.com. Yes, Nadia. Matter of fact, that's something we did not touch on yet. Let's go ahead and talk about that for a minute. Real estate. You have so many things, like you said, going on. So are you in the Las Vegas area exclusively or throughout Nevada? Tell us about that before we go. Pretty much Southern Nevada. So Las Vegas, Clark County and the surrounding counties. I don't really go to Reno that that much. So I probably would refer someone out. But um, I have a network of agents that work throughout the country. And then Keller Williams is just very extensive. So wherever you need assistance, if I can't personally help you, I certainly could find someone. But I am pretty dedicated to the Clark County area. It is lovely here. I've lived in Summerlin and Henderson. So I know both of those areas really well. And those are two of the popular areas here. And uh, I would love to sell your home because we need inventory right now. The market is absolutely crazy. I'm trying to figure, I think we're all trying to figure out how did the market explode right now during a pandemic? (laughs) Right. That's a very good question. And you're right. Inventory is very low. So (laughs) I think the pandemic has been eye opening in a lot of ways. And I feel like people realized, okay, I don't have to be tied to this city because I can work remotely. And I've just seen so many people pick up and move to be closer to grandparents to help with the kids or closer to friends or just their dream city where they really want to be. And then we have a lot of people coming in from California and Arizona because we don't have state income tax here. So you move here and you automatically have a pay raise, especially if you can still work remotely get the California income and then not have the state income right. tax with it. So it's, this has been a great move for a lot of people this year. No doubt. No doubt. Great. Well, good luck with that. Nadia. And I will look forward to seeing your next book. And thank you for sharing with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of flipping the script. If you like what you have heard, please make sure to subscribe to get notified of future episodes. Also, I would appreciate it if you would write a review and share with your friends. And I want to hear from you. Feel free to drop me a line and let me know what you thought about this week's episode or to suggest any future topics that you would like for me to explore. Or you can just stop by and say hello. You can reach me at flippingthescript.com or on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Flippin' the Script. 
Want to continue the discussion? I also have a private group for ladies only on Facebook. I look forward to hearing from you. Bye for now. We're flipping the scripts so you'll find your way to help you embrace any trials you face.